Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. Okay, Scott, thank you and welcome to the show. Appreciate you doing this, buddy. Um, let's Thanks start for having me, man. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, let's start with, let's tell a little bit, a little bit of your story, where to start. I mean, we could start all the way at the beginning, beginning, but let's start with, uh, you and your wife. How'd you guys meet? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're both docs. Uh, we met in professional school. Um, and, uh, we've been married 16 years. I've known her for 20 and uh, she was actually a couple of years ahead of me in school, so we were uh, we were not in the same class, mm-hmm. uh, which was interesting because uh, I met her um, about five months into my first year. She was a third year, and we met at a, a party that we went to. Uh, it was it was a school run party actually. Bumped into each other on the dance floor and uh, just hit it off immediately. And um, it's uh, it was weird timing as well. Um, at the time, I was really. I wasn't really interested in long-term relationships at all. I'd actually been involved with other, a lot of, a lot of other gals and nice. just little flings. Yeah. And um, we ended up uh, just, just, we just hit it off immediately. And uh, all that's all my rules and all the stuff I had in the past kind of just, uh, they melted away really. Mm. And uh, so we knew each other. Let's see. We were together for about a year and a half before we, we moved into with each other and got engaged about six months later we got married and uh, we have two kids uh, one's 12 one's 10 and uh, it's been it's been a great great journey um, we've actually had a very good marriage for um, quite a while it was uh, i'm a little bit different than a lot of guys in the group uh, my story is very very similar to jack london's where we were pretty good for a long time and i ran into some trouble with work stress mm. That's what brought me to you. Um, So it's a bit of a lengthy story. Um, I don't want to get into all the details, get uh, stuck in the weeds here, but uh, essentially what happened, um, we're both docs. We own our practice together. We're both partners, 50-50, and we bought the practice from a previous owner, so it was established practice. We did not buy the building that we were in at the time, so we were renting from the previous owner, and the lease was kind of coming up. The, the The place was a shithole. It needed a lot of work. I was always working on a thing, doing a lot of maintenance. And and we had to make a decision whether to buy or build a new facility. 
and we decided to build and mm-hmm. basically undercut him. He thought anyway, you know, we give this guy a lot of money. We give, we've, we've, we gave him millions of dollars. And so when we decided to move out, he got really nasty and he retaliated by opening up another practice in town in anticipation of us moving out. And so that created a huge amount of stress for us. Um, mm-hmm. And on top of that, he started pushing a lot of problems that, uh, that we didn't foresee in the lease agreement, which at the time we did, when we signed the lease agreement, we trust this guy with our lives essentially. And he, he's the prototypical empty hole money can never fill it, mm-hmm. you know, very greedy man. And he actively tried to ruin us. And wow. I, I'm a very, very competitive person. I've always been a leader. I've always been a, a badass when it comes to um, taking care of my own business. But uh, this one just destroyed my ego because we signed this piece of shit lease that that we just it ended up costing us multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars to re- resolve. And you know, we got a new facility out of it and everything, but we ended up having competition which we didn't have before. Mm-hmm. And it just I got to the point where I was overworked. I would put way more stress on myself. I went from a schedule of about 25 a day to 35 a day. I'm um, trying to make up for the difference so that we could get people that they wouldn't have to move to a different practice to be seen. And I did that for uh, about six months and I hated work. I hated it. I, I would wake up every morning, have to convince myself to get dressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it destroyed me. It destroyed my, um, my normal, um, the way I functioned, you know, as a man. And um, it spilled over into the house. And that's, that's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would get home and I didn't want anybody fucking with me. I didn't, nobody's talking to me, you know, don't bother me. Yeah. And I became, uh, I think you wrote an article about it. As a matter of fact, I became the Peter Pan syndrome. Oh, really? Of, um, it, yeah, that, that's what happened to me. So I got home. Um, instead of turning to alcohol like Jack did, uh, I turned to video games. Hmm. Um, that, was, that was my thing. And it, it was easy for me to do because my son was playing video games and I started playing with him. You know, it started out innocent and then all of a sudden my competitive nature comes in and I got addicted and I would play like whenever I could, you know, and so this would go on through the evening. It would spill into our, you know, my wife and I's time and she would get to the point where she just did her thing at work, you know, so she did, you know, emails and all that stuff. And I would play video games and we would not, interact at all unless it was business and that really it it, it started taking its toll i mean we we never died in the bedroom but uh it was right around the spring of 19 where i hit rock bottom and that's when i became suicidal and i yeah it was it was not a good situation everything felt like was unfixable i couldn't get out of this hole still had the other practice we had to deal with, you know, our competition. And I spent two hours driving around looking for overpasses to hit and drive off, Jeez. you know? Wow. Wow. And I, was I, she, I damn near left. Was um, your wife, it was, was your wife aware of any of this going on or did you hide it pretty well? She, we talked about it. I mean, you know, we were, we would, 
actually at the time we were fighting like cats and dogs. It was, it was pretty rough. I mean, we'd have screaming matches sometimes in front of the kids. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, she would, I mean, physically almost get in my face and certain things. Cause she's very driven too. she's, she's a very type A woman. Um, and I'm a very type A guy. And so that, that really, really <laughs> caused a lot of friction. Mm-hmm. Um, I got her attention that night. I came home, started packing my shit and I was like, um, I'm done and this is it, you know? And she, she talked to me and she was really confused. She didn't really know how bad it was until then, I think. Um, and even, even then she didn't know how bad it was because I, I've, I'm not a one person to just share all my feelings yeah. and like, this is, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's one thing about my father. Um, he was, his emotions were very cut off. Um, and, uh, I was kind of the same way. And that was part of the problem where I couldn't explain what was going on. So I felt like there was no out and, um, she, she talked me out of it and, and we started, that was my, started to come out of the hole at that point. And literally about three months after that night happened, uh, the other practice closed their doors no, and good, we good. put them out of business. And that is where things really changed for me. That's when I started really, really rec- recuperating. You know, I've, um, after that night that I've, that I drove around, I actually decreased my schedule back to the normal schedule. Cause I knew at that point, I knew what the problem was. I was working way too hard and it was, it, it, it needed to change because I, I was not going to survive it. So, cause it was daily, it was daily, um, thoughts of suicide and wow. it, it, it was not good. So, well, what was you know, the, it just goes to show you, I mean, yeah. no, go ahead. Uh, was, what is the turning point there? Because it's, you've described it as just being way overwhelmed with work and the stress of, Hey, this may fail. Was the suicide mm-hmm. as it was a suicide the result of like a, um, uh, the ruminations and thoughts of if I fail, then fill in the blank, you know, we'll lose our house. We'll lose this. We'll lose that. Is, is that where the suicidal thoughts were coming from? Yeah, partially, you know, but mostly what it was is that I, I could not let this guy get out of my head. You know, I'd be, I'd be driving to and from work in my commute, screaming at myself, like what I would say to this man if I ever saw him. Wow. And, you know, it, it was, that was daily. And I just couldn't get out of my head that I signed that lease and like put us in this situation because that, that really, I felt like that was my, my responsibility. I see. And I, and I, I let my family down. Um, I let my patients down. I let my staff down. Like, I let somebody come in and into my life and fuck us up, you know, mm-hmm. and that really, that really bothered me, man. That was, that was the biggest thing. Sure. And it, that, that my masculinity just, just, just spewed out at that point. Like mm-hmm. I had, I had lots of trouble leading, you know, just even going to work and doing my job. It was, it was, it was effort, you know, when it wasn't before. Yeah. You know, what you're describing with the type A work, 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 go, go, go is a person who's in psychological terms, it's pretty high in what they call conscientiousness. It's a personality trait. You're a really conscientious person and everyone knows how do you make a conscientious person suicidal? Take their work away from them or strip them of their responsibility or say, hey, you did this and you failed. And now as a result, everyone's suffering. You, you weren't quite there yet, but you saw... You felt like you had failed everyone. Um, it was a potential for him to take you under, all because of your mistake. And it's a very typical male personality trait to have that 
conscientiousness. And when that's threatened like that, oof, yeah, for some men, oh. they react the way you did. Exactly. A lot yeah. of them turn to the, the bottle, you know, booze or hookers or something like that. Yours was video games and, uh, unfortunately, some suicidal ideation. So scary, yeah. scary stuff, scary stuff. Absolutely. But, but um, okay, so that's your means of coping not so well with all this. So what was the wife doing during all of this? Does she have her own little drama as well? She, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She she buried herself in work. That's what she did. Yeah. Um, and she would fully admit that now. Um, she she just buried herself in work. So basically when I was um, online playing video games, you know, talking to strangers online, you know, like on mics and, and you know, developing friendships with people I've never met, uh, which is kind of funny because that's kind of what I do now in the group. Um, but <laughs> a healthier way we'd like it's, to say <laughs> uh, way healthier for sure. And so I would get online. She would go to work. She would go to her laptop in the, in the kitchen. So we were completely separated and, you know, opposite sides of the house um, for hours, you know, and, uh, and it got, it got so bad that the kids noticed and they basically said, is daddy coming to dinner tonight? Mm-hmm. You know, and that hurts, man. Like, like I've always been a good dad. I never let that go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but when I was in that Peter Pan syndrome, like every, I, I didn't want to be bothered by anyone. Yeah. You know, I want to do what I want to do. Don't bother me. And it, oh, it was, it was, it was really rough. So yeah. uh, with her, yeah, she just buried herself in work. Um, and also she actually coped with alcohol. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, so she she went from you know kind of a social drinker a wine here and there with her mother or if you know somebody comes over she just has a little bit of wine but she went to from that to basically three glasses of wine daily every night mm-hmm. um to cope and so the mom juice was a problem for her mm-hmm. i didn't really recognize it at the time i knew she was drinking but like i said we were completely separated so I didn't know. I, I didn't know that she was drinking that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew because we went to the grocery store and we were coming back home with lots of bottles of wine. But I mean, I mean, that's a bottle of wine in a day. You know, that's that's, that's a, a lot, lot of alcohol. alcohol. It is. It is. We kind of and, we've kind of uh, glamorized that, haven't we? In the yeah. uh, modern culture or popular culture, if you will, you know, every woman has the glass of wine and. It's just like mm-hmm. a, if it wasn't for this, I don't know how I'd be able to cope. Ha ha. It's, it's, it's not cute. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. You're just, <laughs> too much booze can go downhill really fast. Oh, yeah, for and, sure. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, uh, the reason why I didn't really turn the bottle specifically was my grandfather. He was, uh, he was an alcoholic and abusive and my dad's dad. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was, he was not a nice drunk and I heard all kinds of stories and I knew that, that genetics are in me. So I'd, I was very careful about that. Yeah. Um, I could still drink socially, but you know, I'm, you keep I've said before yeah. in the group where if, if, if I would have turned to alcohol at that time, I would not be talking to you right now. There's, yeah. there's no way I would have gotten out of that hole. Um, it was, it was that bad. Well, I'm glad you're here with us today. And it mm-hmm. uh, sounds like you're doing you well, but so this, Let's back up a little bit, though. So what brought you to me, the I, the Dead Bedroom Fix book, I assume, and to the world of Dad Starting mm-hmm. Over? That is an awesome story. Um, so this this journey, uh, my journey started, uh, it was way after that whole situation. So uh, 
I had the, the situation where they, uh, they closed down their shop. Uh, that was the fall of 2019. So I had recovered quite a bit. We had, we got some more help at work and things are going great and COVID hits. So um, we hit COVID, you know, in the spring of 2020 and we were forced to shut down our office for six weeks. And that as an owner, um, that takes a huge bite out of crime for us. I mean, that's, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars of lost revenue. Plus you have to still pay our staff. So we didn't, we didn't actually lay off our staff because we wanted to do the right thing for them and not have them on the employment line. So we, oh my goodness. So that was really, that was a huge stress ball to, to eat as well. And what happened was uh, that summer, I I turned to food a little bit. Where um, I've always had a bit of an addiction to ice cream, which I have to fight constantly. <laughs> but uh, but at the time, you know, my coping mechanisms with that kind of stress was to leave the office and go get some fast food and some ice cream and 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 leave the office. That was you know I, I recognize that now, but at the time I didn't realize that. And uh, I promptly put on a good amount of good amount of weight you know i didn't put on you know hundreds of pounds but i put on you know on my small frame you know 10 15 pounds it it, it definitely showed and mm-hmm. i was way out of shape and as you know with the diet i mean the group is really big on fitness um it made me feel like absolute dog shit so i was i was eating fast food twice a day essentially every day and it took its toll on my mental fortitude and then i and i felt like crap so I remember specifically, uh, it was the, the day after my daughter's birthday. Um, I stood in front of the mirror and looked at myself and I realized, I was like, where did that fun guy go? Where did that, that the guy that could control a room that, that always steps up to lead, you know, um, always fun to be around and, and just ass kicker. You know, I was looking at him. I was like, I'm not looking at that guy right now. Like he's you know, flaccid piece of crap that I'm looking at. And, and I literally at that moment, you know, everybody, you know, when they have a moment like that, they'll say, Oh, I'll do better tomorrow or something Mm -hmm. like that. They kind of put it off. I was like, I'm changing right now. This is done. I'm not feeling like this anymore. You know, I've got so much going for me and I'm done. Um, So immediately um, it was like a, it was like a bolt of lightning hit me. And that's, that's, that's the best way for me to describe the feeling that I had at that moment where it was just, a, it wasn't an aha moment. It was like, my life is going to change now. And uh, I stopped playing video games. Um, I stopped eating the fast food. Uh, and, you know, one thing about the group that knows about me, um, I had a bit of an addiction to porn mm. and I stopped that completely. And then I started doing chores around the house without, you know, bitching. And, and I just, if, I, if something needed to be done, I just did it. I didn't fucking say anything. And I just, and then the biggest thing is I started going to the gym five to, five to six days a week and really, really, really got it serious about my fitness. And it, it was life-changing. So when I, when I came across your book, which is interesting because it was the same day, it was that same day. Mm-hmm. It was the day after my daughter's birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually, it wasn't that morning, but I don't know what it is with Facebook algorithms, but like it almost read my <laughs> thoughts, man. Cause like, I didn't look at anything. I wasn't looking at shit. I was, I didn't say anything. 
but um, I looked at my Facebook and, and then your ad came up, but what it was, it wasn't the ad. It was the damn picture mm-hmm. of the fucking book. Okay. The, the cover of that book, I was like, Oh my God, like, this is me. Like at the time, you know, my wife was rolling over all the time. She's like, you know, I don't feel right. Like there's something wrong with me. You know, like she was like, we would still, um, we'd still have sex like once a week, but it was, it was not passionate at all. Like it was, it was really dry and like, she would roll over a lot. She was refusing me. And, and, and then that came up and I was like, oh my God, that's me. You know, that's her. Like it wasn't, she wasn't looking at her phone, but she'd have her, you know, shoulder turned to me mm-hmm. and um i had never had an audible before and it said that you know available on audible so what i did is i actually uh, that afternoon downloaded the, the audible app i had a free credit that i could use for any purchase and i got Good. your book and i started li- listening to it that day and i got through the whole book in less than 48 hours and when i read or when i listened to that man like the porn addiction thing hit me straight in the face. Um, I'd been addicted to porn since I was a teenager, 30 years. And every day, you know, it was almost like an anxiety release or something. I don't know what it was, but I was definitely, I definitely had a problem with it. And I cut it out completely cold turkey. Wow. So, and honestly, that's where the gym really came in because um, that kind of addiction took a lot of mental fortitude but it also like you have these urges and like i knew what time of the days that really really affected me so it was like morning and afternoon typically like you know it was the morning and then right at right after work were the big times where like would be the trigger so i was like i need to work out when i have the triggers and oh good thinking i yep and that's that's how i did it and it's funny because of all i mean those are a lot of changes you know um all at once and my wife literally 48 hours after i started making all these changes she's like what is going on (laughs) like you're you're fucking scaring me like what what is what's up with you and i was like i'm trying to be a better man that's i I was i said that so many times Mm -hmm. and she was freaking out so like um uh, 48 hours into this like i I wasn't saying shit uh believe it or not actually when i downloaded the uh, audible app um i know i knew specifically she was going to see it because we share an Amazon Prime account, oh, so mm-hmm. it came the the receipt came in on her email, and I knew she was going to see it. So I didn't hide shit. I didn't hide anything that I was doing. Like I just didn't say anything, you know. So like this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this because of me. I want to. I want to be better. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better husband. A better man. And so we did that. Let's see. Shoot, it was that first week was really, really hell for her because she didn't really know how to take it um, because she saw me suicidal two years ago. Yeah, you know, was, she saw me going through I was gonna all say, kinds of hell. I was wondering if she, if she saw this as a possible, another break, so to speak. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly, that's exactly what she was thinking. So, um, and on top of that, um, you know, I was making all these changes and then like I, I changed the way I dressed like every, like, even if I was doing something outside, I'd, I'd dress up. I wouldn't be like in sweatpants and a, a Dr. Strange t-shirt, you know, like <laughs> I would dress nice. Um, that that's just the way, you know, like my outward per- appearance just totally changed. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so, and, and my mindset changed too. And I mean, she felt the whole thing. And so we did that. 
she kept asking me over and over what this what the what is going on you know like you're you know what, what are you doing you know, i'm a better man i'm a better man i'm a better man and then um two two weeks into it that's when everything went to that's when it everything blew up so uh, I remember specifically, I was out walking in the neighborhood and I saw her, uh, this was like on a Saturday afternoon. I saw her walking around aimlessly in our backyard, looking at flowers and stuff and like, like with her head down, like she was a fucking wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw her from a distance and she didn't know I saw her. And so she, um, she, that night when I saw her do that, um, she was like, like, she was so beaten down, you know, mentally. I thought she was sick actually. And, uh, so she says to the kids when we put them down uh, for the night, she's like, I'm mommy's going to bed early tonight, you know, good night. And, and I just took care of it. And then as I come downstairs, she was in the bathroom and just like a, a complete ugly crying, you know? And that's when she was like, you know, are you having an affair? Oh, you know, are, like, yeah. like, what this 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 is not good this i mean is, she's, this i, I is feel like, like midlife crisis type of behavior and something oh has, yeah something else like has to be going total on. meltdown yeah yep. total meltdown and that's the night i told her all of the stuff i was doing specifically the things that i changed because she didn't really know all the stuff that i changed uh, but i specifically told her about the porn which she had never known about that about me and oh, really? she's the only oh. person i've ever openly told up to that point about that problem and she completely she kind of she was very triggered and very you know she was very i wouldn't say hurt but she was very it, it that that particular issue was what really got her just sad you know and like you know how did i not know you hid this from me you know all this stuff and i told her i was like i didn't realize all of the things I was doing to hurt us. And I mean, we had a two hour conversation. I was like, I admitted to all of the, the problems that we had was my fault. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when she would confront me on, on, on doing like not doing things around the house and I would go through a list that get fucking defensive. Um, I would go through all the stuff that I did for that family and like all of like, honestly, nice guy traits that I, that I never really had. I was doing it at, you know, during that two year period. And so when she, by the end of that, 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 that meeting or that, uh, that talk, I mean, she was, she was a complete wreck the whole time. She's just still, she knew I wasn't having an affair, but she, she thought that, that I could at mm-hmm. that point. And she just completely, you know, kind of fizzled out. We, at the end of that uh, talk, we would, we, we, we hugged and I, and I put all of the blame on myself and I meant it you know, all of the stuff that we were, we were fighting all the time. Like it, it was, it was me. It wasn't her. And that shit's done now. You know, I'm done with that. That's not the way I am now. I, I've been, I've, I've had this epiphany. This, this, this thing has just been crazy at that point. I mean, I was two weeks into the fact that I wasn't uh, watching the porn anymore. And I read something about the porn addiction is that uh, after two weeks, you get this euphoria. Oh, really? Uh, where, Yes, um, the dopamine triggers that you have in your head, um, it, it makes you feel amazing. And I, I actually had that. I felt that where I was manic, man. Like I felt like I could just climb Everest, man, just right yeah. there. Boom, let's go. You know, and like, the, and she, she recognized that. And she was just, she thought that I was, 
that way because I'd met somebody or fell in love with somebody or, you know, like, cause it was that drastic. Um, so we hugged that night. I put all the blame on myself and we were just, we were just cuddling. And the next day, the next day after that, um, I think actually that was a Friday night is what that was. The next day was a Saturday and she was very lovey dovey that whole day we were flirting. And that night she did the same thing to the kids. She's like, I don't feel very good. I need to go to bed. And I came downstairs and we had the (laughs) most amazing sex of our marriage that night. It was unbelievable. It was something that at the time, I mean, we've always, we've, we've always been, we've always had the spark. We've always had attraction. It's always been there, but this was just open, complete mm-hmm. bliss, you know, and it was awesome. Like, and, and from that moment, it was on, like we were, you know, we went from having sex about once a week to five times a week, you wow. know, and anytime we could, um, we had time together, time away. Like it, we had our clothes off and, and we were in bed and, Jeez. And very, very passionate. Um, and looking back at it now, it was probably pretty close to historic, hysterical bonding. But you've maintained it, it. it. Yes, and it maintained that way. We were there. Uh, we were like that uh, for weeks, and it was incredible. I mean, we went at one point. I think it was like ten days in a row um, that just it, like we were like teenagers, you know. And uh, it kind of dwindled a little bit. Um, after about a month or so, and that's actually when I when I joined the group, the Facebook Facebook group, because uh, I consider myself a pretty good success at that point. And I mean, I still continued my journey; it never ended. It still doesn't end, and it will never end for me. Uh, but I kept getting better. She kept getting better. And um, after um, almost two months of my changes, that's when I was like, I need to share my story. I need to do something to make other people's journeys work and because i like i mean we've said it so many times in the group that this this shit's everywhere man you know women are are messed up they've they've got these ideas where they they have to work all the time and and uh and men become emasculated and and Mm. i've seen it myself i've seen divorce my sister went through it and i was like i can do so much good with what i've learned and this was only like month two (laughs) <laughs> and that's that's when I, I I wrote my little article um, to you where I mm-hmm. shared my story um, because at the time I was just I just read the book I didn't do anything else and and I mean I was reading other stuff too but uh, but your book specifically was just eye opening the way you read wrote it it was just it spoke to me big time okay. um, you know it wasn't big words you know it was like I mean you cussed <laughs> in it and I was like this is awesome you know but uh, so. I wrote that to you. You responded within a day, which I was super impressed. And that's, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing something about this. And I, and that's when I joined up and, um, it's been, uh, it's been an awesome journey. I've been, you know, now writing articles, trying to teach guys, you know, cause I, I had a good amount of experience with women when I was younger, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily high school, but, uh, uh, I went to college, um, in the nineties and that's when I, I wasn't as awkward around women at that time. And I mean, I was going to be a doctor. They knew that I was a leader. And so I had no problems um, 
dating women. Um, at one point in my life, I was dating four at a time. Nice. And it was like, it was funny because I kind of consider it um, where, you know, the, the whole manosphere nowadays, like they the talk about this stuff. And um, that's the way I was before it was even a thing. Um, mm. So, and uh, so I took all of those, uh, those lessons that I learned um, about desire and, and, and being spontaneous and, and having fun. And, and, and now I apply that to marriage because honestly, that my, my head was kind of messed up because um, when I got married, I thought that married life was different you know, than like actually dating your wife. Like, and that's, that's not my saying. Then I say to the guys where you need to date your wife, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's the secret, you know, like, you know, don't think of yourself married really, you know, think of yourself as you're single and you're taking your wife out to dinner. Um, but it's, but she, you need to really think of her as your girlfriend and do your own thing, you know, almost like you're single and yeah. Yeah. it just works. Yep. It just works. And I, I was messed up with that too, before this journey where, you know, I thought married life was different and oh sure and now I know it's not. So, well, I mean, what was your going way back? What were your role mm-hmm. models for marriage? Like with mom and dad, did they have a good passionate relationship between mm-hmm. the two of them loving? Oh, um, that's, that's a, that's, that's a big one. So my dad is an ass kicker. He's a badass. Um, that's another thing that makes me different from a lot of guys in the group. I had a very masculine, um, uh, I, I had a really good dad. Mm-hmm. Took me hunting. He took me fishing. You know, he always doing manly work. He would always take me with him, you know, and uh, he busted my ass. I mean, I was, you know, mowing other people's lawns when I was eight years old for money. And uh, my first paycheck actually paying Social Security when I was 12 years old. And wow. so he was actually my boss. He was the maintenance man now, uh, in the school I grew up in. So um, he had access to um, the ability for me to, to work basically at the mm-hmm. school mm-hmm. that I already knew. And uh, so where he really was good with being a dad, he majorly lacked as being a husband. So my mother is pretty much the opposite where she's very emotional. She's very introverted. Um, she has trouble exp- expressing her emotions, but yes, she's very emotional. And my dad was very stoic, very, um, I mean, he was good. He was funny, you know, he's, he's funny and, and he does that kind of thing. But when it comes to my mom, like he, uh, he just, he had trouble showing his love. So I grew up in a house where I love yous, hugs, all that stuff didn't exist. It just didn't exist. I mean, um, you know, the first time my father told me he was proud of me, I was in college. So, you know, he was always like, you know, get the job done, do it right, um, and then move to the next task. It wasn't like, good job, son. Yeah. You know, proud of you. Like, like it wasn't like that at all. Like, where he just, you know, get your shit done and then we'll eat, you know, type of thing. And um, so that took its toll on my mother. Um, and, uh, basically, uh, I was probably, I was about 13, um, at the time where I recognized my parents, they had problems. Um, so she would get home later and later at night. Mm-hmm. Um, we would fend for ourselves at dinner. And, um, so he would, you know, dad kind of, I don't know if he really knew at that point. So I think he was kind of oblivious, but he would, uh, 
we would basically just be on our own really. And it got way worse by the time I was in high school when my sister was out of the house and it was just me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she'd get home at 10, 10 30. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like I, I recognize like this, this isn't something's not right. And I, it kind of crossed my mind that maybe something was going on. And, uh, but I didn't know for sure. Cause my mom, I, I couldn't imagine her stepping out of the marriage honestly at the time. So go through college, I go through professional school and, uh, at the very end of my tenure in a professional school is when, um, my mom and my dad actually at the time where, um, I spent about three months at home, uh, during one of my clinical rotations and, uh, it was an awesome summer. Uh, but, uh, they pulled me up to a meeting, um, with just with, with, with them, my mom and my dad and my sis and me were all together. So they were talking that, uh, um, she got recently, she, she got caught in a 13 year affair with her boss, Ouch. um, by the, the boss's wife. Um, she, she caught them together and the boss's wife called my dad, uh, that night to make sure he knew, um, before she got home, before she could, you know, tell lies and everything. And, um, that happened a couple of weeks before this meeting. And, uh, they were telling, telling us that, uh, they'd worked things out, that they were going to stay together. And, uh, I've, I saw my father at that table that night, mm-hmm. the way I've never seen him before. He was so defeated. Yeah. You know, he's always been Superman, man. He's always been the rock and like the badass. And like he, he had, his, he was all slumped over. Um, just, he was teary eyed. Um, and, uh, it was awful. Um, and so they did it. They, they made it work. Um, at that point I was 25 years old. So it wasn't like, you know, that was a mind blowing thing for me. Like it it was awful, but it didn't affect the way that I felt about my mother and my father, you know, but I just felt terrible for my father where I I put myself in his shoes and I was just like, Oh my God. Um, I mean, that was at that point, that's half my life. Yeah. She was, you know, wow. stepping out wow. and, Such uh, a long and they're time. still, they're still married. They're still married. Uh, they just uh, celebrated uh, 51 years not long ago and it'll be 52 years this year um, of marriage. And their, uh, their marriage is um, not something that my wife and I aspire to just yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Um, they're, they're codependent. Um, they, they don't really show affection. I mean, they, they showed affection for about a year after that happens. And then it just kind of went back to the normal stuff yeah. where he would yeah. be just gone for like the weekend and, left her by herself and and that's the way it is now and and now it's funny because i i see like after all the stuff that i've learned i can see the resentment in her so much for some of the things that my my dad just didn't didn't say i love you you know he didn't Hmm. there's no lovey-dovey with him and and the and she knew that from the very beginning and she married him anyway and you know they made it work but that's not something that i would really aspire to but on my my other side of the fence my wife's parents are absolutely incredible um they they've been married about the same time frame and they are absolute lovers um you know just this weekend i mean we're uh, wife and i went out of town for the night went to um, went to charlotte and they took the kids and you know my my father-in-law pinches my my mother-in-law's ass you know as they're walking through the kitchen and you know they're in their mid-70s you know um they're amazing people and that that they're our model um, for what's possible. So very good. Very good. So with your side of the story though, a couple of questions come to mind. One is 
seeing your dad in action all those years and learning, you know, as a result in part, what happened as, as a result of that. But, uh, do you catch yourself kind of emulating dad a little bit in those negative ways? And you have to, you know, kind of slap yourself and say, dude, you're doing the whole super stoic cold dad thing and wake yourself up, so to speak. And the other side is, are you acutely aware of certain mom traits and do you see some similarities to the wife? I do. You know, um, it's funny because uh, with with my dad and my mom, they're so starkly contrasted that I kind of consider myself a bit of a mold between the two of them. Where um, you talk about how your mother was a bit of a, um, you're a bit of an emotional tampon for her. Mm. Um, she kind of did the same thing to me. So where my dad would, you know, take off for the weekend and, you know, I wouldn't see him much and, you know, she, she made the comments like, you know, don't do this like your dad does. And like, mm-hmm. you know, um, looking back at that now that did, that did affect me. Um, but it, but she did not program me as a nice guy because of my father. Um, Cause he busted my ass. So like I got both of those things. So I do not have a problem telling my wife. I love her. I don't have a problem giving her hugs. I don't have a problem telling my kids. I love them because I experienced what I experienced with my father. You know, that was the one thing, like my whole life, I tried to make this man proud, you know, and nothing was ever good enough. I never got that. And I know how that feels. Mm -hmm. So I'm not like that with my kids or my wife. I, I, I've, I've never been, you know, you know, here's my emotions. Boom. Here it is. Like I, I never did that to her, my wife. Um, I did maybe a little bit when I was, when I was really a mess, you know, yeah, mentally. Yeah. And, uh, I'm sure it turned her off big time. And I know it did actually now that, uh, now that, you know, we're eight months post this awakening and, uh, we are in an amazing place now. And we have these really cool conversations about how things were. Um, and she admitted that at the time, at that time, she was using sex just to appease me, you know, where, sure, sure. uh, just, you know, to keep me under control, mm. you know, keep me around. <laughs> and, uh, so she didn't really, didn't really want the sex at all. Like, and, and she's admitted that now and it's not like that now. So, um, it's, uh, that happened. So I, I learned a lot from her too, because, uh, where, where I was lacking in that department, she would actually, she taught me a lot when we first met each other, specifically when we started living together. Uh, uh, there was a rule, um, that I had to learn myself with, that we have now where you walk in the door, you have 30 seconds to greet everyone and, and basically connect with everybody, um, right when you walk in the door. So that's something I never had as a kid. My family didn't do that. Oh, I see. And she, she really was bothered by that when we first yeah. started living together. So um, she's like, are you fucking serious? Like, <laughs> does she want to know how my day is, how, how I'm feeling? And um, so I learned that stuff pretty early on in our relationship where um, she would get hurt by that and she had no problem telling me about it. So, mm-hmm. um, so I did, you know, that's never really been a, a major issue for us. You know, it's, it's, it really stemmed from the work stress and me not being a good leader. Um, that's where we, that's yeah. where we screwed up and, and it was my fault. So, um, and, uh, that's why I think, you know, it only took a matter of weeks to really get on the right track. Um, it still continues to get better eight months later. Um, you know, she's way more open sexually now where she wasn't really before she's a pretty conservative woman, but, uh, you know, so she doesn't, 
she says she's she doesn't have any fantasies. She doesn't have any of these things. I, I know there's probably some lur- lurking in there, but she's not really open to it. So that has recently, the last probably two months, has just she's really opened up. Oh, and and it's been awesome. So um, it has been wonderful. Do you so, think if you were to ask her why are you so open now, she would say she feels safer to do so? I would say so. Yes. Um, on top of that, the she would. I guarantee, if you asked her, she said, "I'm less stressed. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have as much weighing on me anymore. She's not drinking as much." Uh, I can, I confronted her on that during this journey too, where mm-hmm. she was drinking a ton. I mean, that carried over actually, she was drinking a good amount still into probably four months into this journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, you know, enough of this shit, you know, we need to take it a step back. Um, I don't mind, you know, drinking here and there on weekends, but during the week it's off limits, man. Like this, that's it. And, uh, it caused a huge blow up. She got so pissed at me. Oh, really? Um, oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Cause she didn't want to admit she had a problem yeah, you know, at yeah. the time. And so it was, Oh man, for about four or five days, it was pretty, pretty tense. And then, uh, that weekend when I, when I told her that I was like, um, we had a really good time. We were playing games with the kids and, you know, she was just smiling at me and I, I went over and poured her a glass of wine, gave it to her and, um, <laughs> we had a good night that night. So, mm-hmm. um, she, you know, she recognizes that I'm not, I'm not a complete asshole, but it was in her best interest. And she recognizes now that she had a problem. Um, she'll tell you that now. And it sounds like, I mean, you talk about what she brought to the relationship in, in terms of her, uh, her background with the parents and how loving they were. And she brought some of those skills that she learned to the table of, you know, when you walk in the door, you mm-hmm. go for the hug. How was your day? That's, sweetheart that's normal human couple behavior and it sounds like what you bring to the relationship is uh, well you've learned from mom and dad good and bad and uh the whole boundaries thing of no i'm not not tolerating this behavior sweetheart you can blow up all you want for a week about it but in the end we both know it's no good and Mm -hmm. um that's something a lot of guys struggle with a lot of guys because it means you're playing the part of the bad guy you're not really, but in, in a sense, you're being the asshole for a minute or two. And a lot of guys just don't have that. They don't have that tool in their toolbox, so to speak. So that's good. Uh-huh. That sounds like that's what you're bringing amongst a lot of other stuff to the relationship. So it sounds mm-hmm. like you guys got it going on. This is awesome. I love oh, it. Boy. And oh, um, yeah. another positive aspect of all this is that uh, your wife has kind of entered into the DSO world. Her and mm-hmm. a handful of other ladies who are wives of guys in the group started their own little group on Facebook and they're mm-hmm. all chatting and they're pretty tight lipped about what yeah. they're talking about. But my wife says good chats today on the DSO group. I'm like, well, good, good, good. <laughs> and, uh, so absolutely. It sounds like they've like got a lot of good stuff going on there. So it's, but none of that, you know, I hear a lot of guys are listening to me right now going, wait, what Facebook group, what's this about? I'm going to get my wife on that. It's like, well, just cool your jets are dude. Because, for probably the majority of guys listening to this who are in the dead bedroom situation and their life's a rocky, shitty mess, it's, hey, wife, go to this Facebook group. You need to go learn from these other women. That ain't going to go over too well. Yep. You, you got to be not a, at all. Yeah, you got to be in a certain emotional state. You got to be connected to a certain point. You got to be kind of further along in this whole process. But it's funny when you are further along in it, the wives themselves go, basically, what more can I do? Ah, boom. now click. There you Absolutely. go. Now, what more can you do? Well, there's other women asking the same thing and they're in this group. Perfect. Excuse me. So, um, 
Yeah. I definitely want to add on that because yeah. of um, that group is only a few weeks old. So yeah. um, maybe what, three, four weeks old, I guess. Something like that. Yeah. And, of uh, um, you know, Austin's wife, uh, Jack's wife, your wife, you know, like you got some pretty high caliber women in this group. And uh, as a matter of fact, Austin and I, uh, we got our, our whole families together just this weekend um, oh, over, over awesome. wine. So, awesome. um, you know, we were we, like just a few days ago. Um, Shannon, uh, my wife, uh, her name's Gail and, uh, and we all just got together and it's, it was interesting. So, um, this has been, this has got fingers now where it's kind of radiating into other things. And, um, so she's, she administers, um, that group. So, um, I stay out of it. Uh, she'll share some things here and there. Um, where she feels it is it appropriate, of course. Um, I share some things that are appropriate as well. So um, I know she's going to be listening to this, as a matter of fact. So I have to be, you know, I definitely want to plug this because uh, she really, she feels very, almost as passionate about this as I do because, you know, my journey changed our marriage. So where she she is very open to be led, so where mm. um, a lot of women nowadays, I'm sure, are not okay with that. So um, I've always been a good leader. You know, she follows me pretty well. You know, I've made the big decisions in our life, you know, the purchase, the practice, the build the buildings, like all these big things. That was that was pretty much all of my brainchilds. Um, but she's a very good leader while she's at work. Um, but she's, I wouldn't say she's submissive. I, I would never say my wife is submissive, but she definitely she's more open to listening to me mm -hmm. even more so now. So any sort of suggestions that I, that I give, um, she is in tune and is more than willing to do what I'm telling her to do at this point. So, and I don't mean it bad, you know, <laughs> that, like that sounds bad, you know, yeah, yeah. No, um, I'm a misogynist pig, you know, mm -hmm. like it's not like that where, um, she probably wouldn't have listened to me two years ago. Oh no. Yeah. Um, Different because guy. Like, fuck you, you know, what am I, why am I going to do that? Like, you're not doing shit around the house, you know, like I'm doing everything, you know, and that's, and she would fully admit that. So, um, she, she and I have some awesome conversations. So like, uh, um, we've done a couple trips. Okay. We've done a couple trips that were mentioned in the book where the first one was a surprise. Um, we went to Charlottesville, Virginia for the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, that was the second time that we left town without the kids since our kids were born. So we're talking a whole decade. Okay. We've only left town once wow. for this. And I gave her a surprise. I gave her actually a day notice because she still had to, I know how she is. She's a planner. She has to pack the kids as shit. So I knew I had to give her a little bit of time to do that. Uh, but I took care of everything else and it's a four hour drive from where I'm at. So that entire time, that we drove from our home to Charlottesville. We never turned the radio on because we, we talked the whole time about my journey, the things that we've done. Uh, and uh, I mean, this is only month three. So we talked the whole time and that four hour drive felt like it was 15 minutes. And we, we recognized that both when we, when we first got there, it was like, my God, that trip was so fast. <laughs> and, and it's really been like that whole time so mm -hmm. um the second trip we did we went to savannah um about a month ago and it was the same thing that's a five and a hour five and a half hour trip for us so it uh it was the same thing so like a five hour trip felt like it was 30 minutes and um had an amazing time 
awesome stuff. And, uh, and it just, it just keeps happening. It just keeps getting better. And, and uh, um, so when we first started out, our, our, our talks were um, devoted to relationships and, and uh, the, the alpha beta, the, the um, you know, the, the certain traits and people and then the certain, you know, um, as you know, I mean, all these stories that you get in the, in the group, it's all the same shit. Oh yeah. It's the same thing over and over. Uh, when you do this long enough, we start coaching guys and you start talking to people. It's the same thing. It's all about desire. If you, if your wife desires you, it's, it's, that's a very good thing. Um, you can wake that up too. I mean, she went into sexual latent mode where she didn't even think about it, but she never thought about stepping out of our marriage, you know, um, because of the caliber of man I am. Um, so that's where guys get into trouble where if, if they're in a shitty relationship where they're not their best possible version of themselves, they're in big trouble. Um, where she's going to start looking for options. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's where my wife did not, she did not, I mean, even think about it. She basically said, I mean, she said to me just recently, last couple of days, like, you know, it was just, okay, this is as good as it gets. So fuck it. You know, this is the way it is. Mm -hmm. And that's the way she was for years, you know, for two years while I was messed up. And so now those conversations have morphed into the good stuff where, um, our our bedroom you know certain things that we enjoy you know um she's totally more open about um you know just all the good stuff you know what i'm talking about okay um, i don't want to get into all the details because like i said i know she's gonna be listening to this and i don't want to get into it too much <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but uh, but we are i, I am totally satisfied with my sex life at this point so and it just keeps getting better so so I'm gonna, and it's not just me go ahead i'm gonna put myself in her head you know, I always preach what are the number one things that women want in a relationship is safety and security. And the rest kind of falls after that. Um, what what are safeguards that you have put in place to make sure that um, her safety and security and that of the family are safe, safeguarded, meaning Oof. so you don't fall down that hole again? Oh, that's there's a lot of things there. So um, honestly, my mindset's totally different now. Um when we went through the practice deal for our business where we, where we, we openly, we actually, well, we, we shut down another practice. So this, this other practitioner was in the same area. We, we practice rurally. So um, name is everything and word of mouth is everything. So he practiced in this area for 20 years and we put him out of fucking business. So like that fear of somebody coming in and trying to take over my business again is gone. I say, good luck to you. That's, there's no way that's going to happen now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not worried about it. Um, I'm at the point in my career now where less is more, uh, where, you know, the place that's, uh, you know, we've, we've done so many changes. We've, we're, we're hitting on all cylinders. I mean, you really don't, it's kind of a hands-off deal now where you don't want to mess with it. It's that good. So all of those things are in place. So for me to get in that same mindset where I was defeated, you know, I, I, I have no way out. That's history. Um, that's not happening again. There's no way I could get back in that hole again. There's no way. Good, good. Uh, there's also, yep. There's also other things that I did um, it, literally for security of my home. You know, I grew up around guns. My dad was big into muzzle loaders. Um, he was a, he's an ex Marine. Well, he's not an ex Marine. He's a Marine, you know? And uh, so I know how to shoot, but I never really purchased firearms, you know, when I moved here, because this is, this is a, this is 1200 miles away from where I grew up. I grew up in the Midwest and I'm in the South now. Mm -hmm. So 
I never purchased guns because my dad had hundreds of them. So we'd go home, I'd shoot there and everything, but you know, I didn't have anything in the house. So um, for instance, if our, this has happened multiple times where we would have the alarm go off uh, in two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning where a window sensor would go off. And my wife is very, she's funny about that. She's, she's very paranoid. And in the past, I would say, fuck it. It's, it's just a bad, it's, it's a bad sensor. You know, it's a false alarm or whatever, but I never checked. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, she's told me that, that, that absolutely was a huge turnoff for her mm. because, you know, she's still worried about it, you know, but I knew there was something like, I'm a mechanical guy. And I could see the, 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 the readout on our display that I, I knew it was a window sensors. There's nobody in the house, but, but for her, she needed me to get my ass out of bed, get a weapon and go through the house to, to feel better. Mm-hmm. So, um, I now have weapons in the house. Um, it's, you know, a completely different mindset. She knows that. And, uh, so little things like that, that's what I've been doing for the past, you know, eight months, um, correcting, you know, the, the, the small holes that I had, you know, the big hole of course was the work stuff. And that's, that's, that's history that won't happen again. Um, but the little stuff has been adding up progressively to the point where, um, like I would, um, I would put up boundaries too, where basically, um, you know, nine thirty hits. We put the kids to bed at about nine. They're usually in, they're usually asleep by about nine thirty, and we have about an hour and a half to ourselves, and that's very very particular, um, where no work, mm-hmm. no phones, you know, it's just us. No, you know, um, like she can drink here and there, you know, on the weekends or whatnot, but we that's our connection time, and we we. We make an like I make an effort, and she actually um, put it in her head where uh, I, I do know this about the women's group that where a, a lot of the women will mention that they can't get out of mommy mode. Yeah, okay, yeah. so that is a huge issue for women, especially nowadays. It seems like where um, they it's everything. It's all about the kids. They don't have anything else. They don't have any hobbies. It's yep. just mommy. That's it. Yep. And so she was, she's definitely in that camp where it was just nothing but the kids, nothing but that. And fuck the husband, you know, he's an asshole, you know, he's not doing anything. So why should I care? Um, And I'm just going to do the kids. I'm just doing the kids now. And she was in that camp. And now she openly admits that the marriage, as long as the marriage is working, the family works. Yeah, so exactly. she, she makes an effort to make sure that the marriage is working on all cylinders. Like, like I told her, the only thing I want, only thing I want from this day going forward is for me to be at least at the same level as the kids and maybe a little bit higher. <laughs> That's all yeah. I want. Yeah. Now has That's she, all I want. with her social group, especially being in the South, does she get a lot of pushback from some fellow moms of, I can't believe you're putting the kids second when it comes to, you know, fill in mm-hmm. blank, whatever it may be, does she get a lot of, oh my, I can't believe you guys are like that <laughs> kind of behavior from no. some of the women no. or they jump you know, on board with her? It is. That's a very interesting thing because um, just recently too, like we've got, we've got a pretty tight um, a group of, of friends that we hang out with. So um, I'm very, very careful about who I spend my time with. So um, the people that are in our circle, they're all professionals. They're, they're amazing people, really high caliber people. 
So docs, lawyers, you know, bankers, like people that are very successful, but not only just successful, but they're, they're very grounded. So um, most of the people that we are around, they've, they've got pretty healthy marriages. And it's interesting because you said that um, we've got two of our friends that one of them has actually always been a stay-at-home mom and has a half a million dollar education. She's a doctor. She's an MD. She stays at home with the kids. Oh, wow. So um, the other one, one of her best friends that she went to undergrad with um, just recently, uh, she was kind of doing part-time. She's an MD as well. And she's a family doc. So she just recently stepped out of that role and is now life coaching from home. Wow. So the homeschooling, she actually went, she, she did homeschooling this year with the, the whole COVID thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so that's our circle of friends. So she's, if anything, she's getting role models to see what it's like to not be completely consumed by work. Yeah. Interesting. So it has been very, very interesting. This, this last eight months, it isn't just been my journey. It's been hers as oh, well. Absolutely. And, uh, it's been great, but, um, there's, there's a couple of, um, a couple of people, of course, you know, that, that still might think like poorly towards, you know, um, that type of thinking where, you know, be the submissive housewife or all that stuff. But honestly, what I'm seeing right now in my circle of friends, the people that are, that are aware of, and they have good marriages, they're very, very aware of the fact that, um, the, the wife has this role, the husband has this role, and it's a, it's a very polar relationship like ours is now mm-hmm. and it's working. So we're not surrounded by people that are, the marriages are failing. We've had a couple friends that had a couple outs. Um, my sister went through what she went through. Um, it's interesting because my sis, she's got the feminist outlook, you know, she's, she's, she's very liberal. I'm a very conservative guy. Um, we grew up in the same freaking house, but you would never guess it if you ever have a conversation with us. Um, and her marriage failed. So mm-hmm. she got four kids. They were married for 20 years Ouch. and, uh, she completely, she completely destroyed my, my ex-brother-in-law emotionally, you know, a complete empty shell. And, uh, it was really her attitude. It, uh, she's very masculine and, uh, and he just couldn't handle her. And uh, ended up failing. So we have that example too. What what could happen? Sure, you know? sure. So, so. A, a big part of the population that listens to this show and reads my stuff, and you know who I'm going to describe. There's that MGTOW group, which M G T O W. For you guys listening, I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. It's a it's a loosely organized group of guys on the internet that created a the, the acronym is Men Going Their Own Way. M G T O W meaning. These guys looked at the world of relationships, specifically marriage, and said, yeah, no, I'm not doing that shit. And then they just noped out of it completely. And they don't have a girlfriend. I don't, as far as I know, I think that's part of their whole ethos is no girlfriend, no nothing. It's just I'm a single dude. That's it. Um, they listen to something like this. What I would, I would categorize this as a successful marriage of two people really clicking. And mm-hmm. this is a good example for all you guys listening. Like this is this is what we're talking about when we say, if you got the tools, and you got the know-how, and you got the good background and all that fun stuff, you can make this work. And when it clicks, th- there's nothing better. It's like ha- hallelujah, oh. this is awesome. Um, but I think it all. Let's be honest. This could have gone the other way pretty easily if you had picked. Oh, yeah. If you had picked Mrs. Wrong, you know, for starters, 
Um, if you had, if she picked Mr. Wrong, who knows? A bunch of different ways you make the wrong turn. You zigged instead of zagged and so forth. For those guys listening who are like, marriage, I'm still not quite sold on this yet. Is there something you can point to, maybe perhaps to simplify it very early in the process that you could say, because of this, maybe the criteria, how did you pick her and how did she pick you? Was was this a long, drawn out, thought out process? Was there a bit of luck involved here? Ooh, it's, oh, that's a, such a good question. Okay. Um, this has come up quite a bit, actually, in our conversations between mm-hmm. my wife and I, where... For one, I'm a pretty successful dude. I'm, I don't fuck around. I have powerful friends. Uh, I am a high value guy. That's the that's the the, the terminology that you hear all the time. Mm-hmm. That's I consider myself that guy. Okay, so I was a pretty decent version of myself before I really went off the rails. So she knew the kind of caliber guys she's with. So that that was a big deal. So. If I was, like I said, if I was completely out of shape, you know, drinking beer all the time, just mm-hmm. watching football on, on TV constantly, not doing shit mm-hmm. around the house, mm-hmm. she would have stepped out. You know, the kind of woman that I'm married to, she wouldn't put up with that shit. So um, not at all. So basically I was, I was, I had the provider role down pretty decent. That's, that's what I was. I completely forgot about the lover role. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what happened to us. So you can be both. Absolutely. You can be both because I'm doing that now and it is amazing. My life, I can't imagine my life. I I told my wife actually on the way home from Charlotte just yesterday, if I felt any better than I did right now, it would definitely be illegal. There's no (laughs) doubt about it. It would, there, there's no doubt about it because I feel so amazing now. And it's not because of the stuff, you know, it's, it's because of our relationship. Like I go home tonight and I know I'll be greeted at the door. I'm going to get a hug. She might bitch, you know, about kind of her day. She might have had a rough day, but I'm going to take it and I'm going to give her a big bear hug. She's going to melt into my arms and we're going to eat dinner. We're going to put her, we're going to play with our kids, put her kids to bed. And we are going to have about an hour to ourselves where we are going to not have any clothes on. So I can tell you that's what's going to happen tonight for me. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if you call me, you know, these MGTOW guys, like they're, if you say that that's a bad thing, I'm going to say fuck you to your face. Okay. Because that's, you're full of shit. You know, for one, these MGTOW guys, for one, they picked the wrong woman. You know, they've been hurt. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, B2, guess what? I've been, I've been cheated on, you know, with a girlfriend of a year. She cheated on me the whole time. I didn't know about it until somebody told me about it and I dumped her immediately. Mm-hmm. I didn't try to fix that shit. I like get the fuck out of my life, you know? Um, and, so that's, that's the question that you asked as far as selecting a woman. So, like I said, there was a time in my life, I was dating four women at a time. I was not the kind of guy to walk up to a woman and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm Scott, how are you doing? You know, I had women calling me, hmm. so it was not hard for me at all to ha- have relationships. Okay. So at that time, that was actually the time frame that I had right after the, the, the girl that, uh, that cheated on me. So I had a totally different mindset at that point when I was younger, where I was like, I don't fucking want this long-term shit. You know, if I don't get married, I don't get married. Fuck it. I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to get what I want. And I had that figured out when I was in my teens. So 
when I dated all those women, I, I, I ran into broken women for sure. I ran into really amazing women and you could definitely, you can feel the difference after a while. You get some experience with some women and you can start recognizing the red flags, like your book, the red flags book. Holy shit. If I'd have read that when I was 16 years old, my God, my, I would not have dated half of those women, you know? So I had to learn it the hard way. So when I dated all those women, I, I started recognizing certain things that weren't that great. And so literally, like I said, two weeks before uh, I met my wife, um, this one girl was really, really aggressive. She was trying to nail me down. And I literally told her, I was like, I'm not looking for anything long-term at all. Okay. And two weeks later, I meet my wife and it was on the dance floor. We literally hit back to back on a dance floor. We turned around and it just, it was an instant click. She, I could tell you exactly what she was wearing that <laughs> night. Um, she was wearing a dark shirt with um, tight black pants with stripes. And she's, she's a knockout. And I was like, wow. Um, you know, and super nice, really, really, really friendly girl. It's that, that night she wasn't drinking at all. I was drinking a little bit um, because she had some family in town. So she was actually the DD um, when we left the party and we just hung out and had a great time. And so we started dating um, shortly after that. And literally first date, I just took her to dinner. We walked for four hours, just walking and talking. And I ended up sleeping at her, at her place that night, you know, and it was just immediate. It was an immediate attraction. It was both ways, super sparks. And when you have that that kind of experience with women, like I, I knew I had somebody pretty awesome, you know, um, in my grasp. And I, it, it was really a monogamous relationship from the, from the get go. Mm -hmm. I was like, this woman is special and come to find out, I mean, literally within the first few months, I ended up meeting her parents about three or four months later, amazing people still married. That's the other thing too. Like when I was dating all these women, most of them had broken homes. They were like, you know, single parent homes, yeah, yeah. Uh, like really messed up, like huge daddy issues. Like that's a huge red flag for sure. And I recognize that pretty early on. Um, I dated one girl long-term when I was in high school that had daddy issues and she, wow, um, ended up, you know, stripping and all this stuff. And I learned to recognize that pretty early. Mm -hmm. But when I saw her family, that's when I knew I was like, okay, I've got, I've got a wife material here. Um, and my mindset from there going forward was basically, we, we knew we were going to get married within about six months of knowing each other. And it was a good thing. So it's, we both recognized our worth. You yeah. know, I was penniless at the time, you know, but she saw I was an ass kicker. She knew I was going to be successful in work. Ambition. And, yeah. You know, I had a car, Oh yeah. Um, I had a car that didn't have air conditioning, you know, um, <laughs> but she didn't care. And you know, that's the kind of stuff like, you know, I had a, you know, some women out there, if you're not driving Mercedes, fuck you, you're out, oh, you know, sure, they're sure. Yeah. whatever. But, but she was totally okay with me, you know, having the 455, you know, air conditioning with, you know, where we would go to dates like that. I remember one night I had to fix my fucking car just to, to go to her place. You know, like the alternator went out and I had to fix it in our parking lot. Nice. Uh, my parking lot of my apartment building before I could even go. So, and she's totally cool with that. And, you know, so the MGTOW guys, um, if any of you are listening to this, I get where you came, where you're coming from, but there are good women out there 
It, they still exist. <laughs> you just, you, you have to end a relationship when we start seeing red flags. That's it. Yeah. I don't care how good the pussy is. I don't care what she looks like. I don't care how, what you feel with, when you're with her. If you see some serious red flags, get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, end the relationship, move on. Yeah. To summarize, you had a good amount of experience with women and you at an early mm-hmm. age recognized, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's not good. And that, that only comes with experience. Guy, you know, so young guys mm-hmm. get out there, date around, have fun, enjoy the bachelor life and learn. Mm-hmm. She'll learn from you. You learn from her. And uh, you very succinctly said there was pretty much a vetting process. I'm going to meet her family. Ah, yes. Now, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thumbs up. Family is marriage material. Okay, cool. If they hadn't had been, if they've been some kind of disaster and you walked in and mom and dad are beating the shit out of each other or something like that, you'd probably be like, Ooh, I'd be walking. Yeah. I'd be walking. For even, sure. even with all the months of awesomeness behind you. Yeah. You'd still be like, I don't know. Dating. Sure. But marriage. Ooh, I don't know. And that, yep. uh, that comes with experience and it also comes with, you know, type of personality that has the balls and is, it is you know, ballsy enough to make that move and say, it's been great knowing you, but I'll see you later. Um, mm-hmm. yep. a, lot, a lot of MGTOWY types, <laughs> MGTOWY types. I like that. <laughs> they, uh, they don't have that. <laughs> they don't have that mechanism. They don't, yeah, it's, it's not in their, in their psyche to do that. And they just, yep. they just let it go and let it go and let it go and they get burned and, uh, yep. it sucks for them. But Hey, if you ask the friends, they all saw it coming, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, sir, yeah, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's been a it, last, any last words of wisdom? Because uh, there's a lot of guys listening to you right now saying, that's it. That's what I want right there. That's it. Do you have mm-hmm. any advice to those guys that are, well, um, we have so many different variations of this story. One is uh, I'm my wife is screwing around and I just can't pull the trigger and leave yet to we haven't had sex in four years or versus, you know, it's been a couple of months and things gone downhill. It's getting worse. How do I, is there some one little nugget of advice that you can give to everyone that'll send them on the right path. Two things. Um, it really like you have to, to fix you. Mm. You have to work on yourself. Okay. I don't give a fuck what she says. I don't give a fuck what she says or what she does. If you're trying to fix a situation like I was in, or like a lot of these other guys are where you're not, you're not intimate at all. You have to work on yourself. You have to take accountability. You have to make sure that you know that it's your fault. Okay. As a man, it's your fault. So what happens is when you start fixing yourself, even if it does end up not being what, what I have, you're still going to be a good dude. And so you can leave that relationship and move on to probably a pretty high caliber woman mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you'll attract. And that's, that's the key. So it's this journey I married a, one, a really awesome woman, and, and I knew I had an awesome woman at the time So because of my experience. And that's probably the hugest nugget that I could give because, um, unfortunately, if you're already married, you can't control that. Um, you know, that's, you've got what you've got. But if you, if you work on yourself and change and become the, better, the best version that you possibly can physically, mentally, and uh, spiritually – you could leave that relationship. You could, you know, the biggest thing is you just need to be happy with yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like for me personally, I can tell you right now, if, cause I thought about it too, if our, if our marriage ended, what would I do? 
And I'm telling you right now, I did not freak out. I'd be like, if my air, if my marriage ends today, right now, even as good as it is, I'm still going to be fine. I have no problem being by myself. I have no problem doing what I enjoy. Okay. Mm-hmm. If there's a woman that wants to be with me, fine. If not, fine. And that's the other thing too. I want to add one more thing here to what my wife has actually said to me on my journey that just blew me away. About four months into my journey, she took me and grabbed me and looked me straight in the eyes. And she said, I never thought you could ever leave me until now. <laughs> nice. And you, that you broke the horse. Buddy, when you <laughs> yeah, if you if you hear that from your wife, buddy, you're doing something right. Yeah. Okay. At the time I was like, cause I was like, I mean, you know, two years ago, I freak out when I heard something like that. Um, but now if you hear something like that from your wife, you know, you got something good and, uh, it is good stuff. So, but it's the quality of woman and try to fix yourself. You, you have to, this, this is all about you yeah. and you have to take accountability for what's happened. And, uh, you know, for some of the guys here in your, you said one little phrase that I could see all the big Tao guys rolling their eyes and shutting off their, their podcast or whatever. And that is, dude, you're the man, you know, this is your fault here. You're responsible for this. Listen to that guys, because it's not necessarily everything in a relationship is all your bad doing. No, it's at the very least, you're responsible for staying in this relationship that could very likely be very toxic. And the rest of us are looking at you saying, what in the hell are you doing? So you're mm-hmm. at fault, at least to that degree, or you're at fault for not just doing something about it. And you're just wallowing in your self-pity and this defeated victimhood and so forth. Do something, you know, take, take ownership of it. I did a little podcast called The Ultimate Responsibility. Just look at yourself in the mirror and say, what are you doing, dude? That's what we're talking about. And as soon as that clicks with you, it's magic how, for you single guys newly divorced, it's just crazy woman after crazy woman, and oh my God, they're all crazy, and this, this is this conspiracy against all men. Yeah, femi- That's who you're attracting. Feminazis, et cetera, yes. As soon as it clicks where you're take ownership, and this is me, and I'm responsible for this, well, how funny. Where did all the crazies go? Yep. <laughs> it's it's not they went anywhere it's just that you're a lot better at ignoring them you don't give them the time of day you can see right through them you're like yeah i'm not going there and mm-hmm. all the all the good ones just start kind of popping out of the weeds and you're like oh okay that's how this works but some of you guys you can't even take that step you, you got to take that little step but with the caveat or i will say this this relationship thing if you don't want to do it hey cool that's fine have at it. Live up the bachelor life. I mean, live the single life. More power to you, brother. This isn't for everybody, but it is that's, possible. That's, that's a really good point. I want to add something to that too. Um, when I was dating the four women at a time, I was doing the the whole uh, the red pill life. At the end of that, I did that for about a year and a half, almost two years. And at the end of it, I'm telling you right now, if you're listening to me, it did not fill that hole. I, I felt mm-hmm. to the point where it got kind of, it just got, it was always the same shit. Like it just felt empty. Yeah, so exactly. I, I, it just, it was fun. I mean, I got to meet some interesting people and then, you know, yeah, I got the experience in the bedroom, but like it, at the end of the day, like I just, I got to the point where I realized there was something else missing mm-hmm. and it's that connection. And that's what made 
that the bedroom activity just way better. Like that's like what we have, my wife and I have now, it is, it is absolutely incredible. We can have a two hour session and can be completely worn out and completely wasted at the end. And like, it would feel like it was like time didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So that is possible. Gentlemen, this is the 21st century. This is 2021. I experienced that literally last night. Okay. It, you can have it. You have to work at it and you have to be the best version of yourself possible. And you have to be with a good woman. Bingo. I think that's the perfect ending. Yep. So Dr. Scott, thank you so much. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, man. And we, awesome. we will uh, see you around on the group. And for, again, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about with the group, uh, Scott is the member of what we call the DSO, which stands for dad starting over the DSO fraternity, which is a members only portion of the dad starting over website. And we have live meetings three or four times a week. We have live discussion groups that are active about 24 seven, 365 days a year. Um, the books are online for you to listen to or download. We have articles, members only podcasts. We record all the meetings. So if you miss a meeting, you can listen to it. I think it's a pretty good value for your 1499, but I'm a little biased, but I think Scott would agree. And, uh, um, well, I'll just, I'll add to that one yeah. real quick. I'm, I'm worth, I'm worth a lot of money. I got a high net worth. Um, and I changed my life for free because I downloaded the audible app and I had a free credit and it literally, it literally changed my life. Awesome. And, um, since then, I mean, the, the cost of the, the fraternities, I mean, whatever, take my money, man. You know, um, awesome. Thank you. I'm just, I'm just trying to share this stuff, man. It's, it's great. Well, we appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate mm -hmm. all you do. Thank you so much and keep it up. And, uh, thanks again. And we'll be seeing you around. Thank you, man. All appreciate right. it. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one -on -one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. 
I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.